Hey, what's up? This is a preview of a premium episode of Champagne Sharks. If you like this preview and you want to hear the rest of the episode, go to patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. For $5 a month, you get access to the rest of this episode as well as all the past premium episodes in the archive. So it's a great deal. $5 a month, rest of this episode, all the back premium episodes as well. So without any further ado, let's get to it. What's going on, Champagne Sharks? This is T. You can find me on Twitter at Ricky Rawls, R-I-C-K-Y-R-A-W-L-S. You can find the show Twitter at Champagne Sharks, one word, on Twitter. Um, also, remember to become a patron of the show at patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks. You usually get two episodes a week if you become a member subscriber as opposed to one episode a week and it's only five dollars a month. Unfortunately we've fallen behind but we are playing catch up so we will be uh, caught back up so it will still end up being an average of two episodes a week. You will just end up getting like four episodes in one week. Go to reddit actually champagne sharks.reddit.com to go to the champagne sharks reddit if you go there you will be able to find other like-minded champagne sharks fans and what's great about that place is the moderators there don't just put up links to episodes of the show nor do they just discuss episodes of the show but they actually put up a lot of links that i guess kind of fit into the ethos of the show or are thematically on point so it ends up that i actually go there a lot and find a lot of links or show ideas or discussions that uh kind of make me think and make me reconsider things or expand certain things i already believe so it's a pretty good it's a pretty good site championsharks.reddit.com i really like what the guys uh do over there we don't have any active role in running it we're not particularly active there we pop in here and here and there but that's on purpose because i feel like uh when the subject of a fan page or a reddit is too active in it it kind of affects how candid and comfortable people are people start spending like way too much time trying to um interact with subjects of the fan page rather than just talking amongst themselves and being themselves so we deliberately and consciously try to take a mostly hands-off approach to the page but it's, it's pretty good i wanted to keep shouting it out and also um for 
premium members, in addition to getting two episodes a week, you end up getting access to something called the Discord server. It's a chat server, a, a text and voice chat server that is exclusive to subscribers of the show. People who subscribe for $5 a month. So in addition to getting the double episodes and not only do you get two episodes a week but you get access to the archive of back episodes which at this point is like over 50 episodes i would say of uh extra episodes you get by becoming a, a subscriber and in addition to that you also get access to the discord server which is a, a pretty fun place it's a lively conversation and we're going to start hosting voice chats there uh, voice chats based on topics like themed voice chats so that, that should be fun yeah so we've fallen behind and the fault is mine uh, life got in the way that's not really an excuse but uh, we will be catching up today is just me though i wanted to um discuss uh several topics and one of the topics i wanted to discuss was something that happened recently with uh all the there was a bunch of recent um white terrorism that happened and one of them was the pittsburgh synagogue shooting which i thought was pretty pretty interesting um it was a tragedy of course and it was a terrible thing but one of the things i've done over the past couple of years on twitter and various places is that i've complained about the expectation that uh black families or black victims kind of get pressured by the media both liberal and conservative to forgive their transgressors like even before the bodies are cold even if the transgressor hasn't even expressed any type of sympathy or remorse it's a common theme and there was a lot of pushback on it by some people like uh people would be like oh i think you're imagining it or if it was white same thing would happen or that's like a strength of black people like their endless ability to turn the other cheeks or that they maintain their dignity through suffering and i've always felt it was a backhanded compliment like the way it feels to me i don't know if anyone's ever experienced this i'm sure everyone has but this is pet peeve i have and i always hate it like where when you handle something a certain way and somebody's trying to low-key say that you're a punk about how you handled it they'll frame it in a way that acts like they're jealous of you or um in admiration of you but you can tell they're not it's kind of like a dig and what they'll say is uh wow you're a better person than me i would have told him off uh, i guess i'm not as nice as you like i wish i could be that uh nice and you could tell they don't really wish they could be that nice because it's not really hard to just be nice and what i mean it's, it's really it's really not like it's a way of dissing you without owning that they're um dissing you or you know it's kind of like a patronizing thing like i always um uh, hate when people say stuff like that like oh wow you're much nicer than me i i wish i could do that you know and the person clearly makes no effort to ever the person who says that never makes an effort to take the high road on anything it's just it's just a way that they want to get it out there that they would have uh taken care of business in a way that you you didn't and i've always felt that's kind of been the undertone to a lot of um the stuff people say where they, when they say about black people, oh, wow, I wish I could have that much grace in the face of uh, someone who killed my family, whatever. And I always feel like it's like a, a low-key, um, elbowing each other in the ribs kind of shot at black people or kind of saying like, uh, it works for them, but I have too much self-respect for that, but framed in a way that uh, you don't have to own that you're 
actually uh, dissing them. And one thing I've always said is that um, if white people really wanted to be this way, they have plenty of opportunities to, you know, make make an effort. I mean, the things that white people have accomplished in this world, uh, there's no way you can tell me that they can build like multinational global empires and corporate corporations and put people on the moon, but they can't figure out the first step to taking the high road and when being wrong, like it's not rocket science. It's, it's, if they don't do it because they choose not to, they don't want to do it. And I told myself I would keep an eye out the next time there was a tragedy that befell, um, that befell a white group, you know, cause I've, I've never seen first two things. I've never seen them offer to take the high road or even really ponder it. And I never even seen people rush to even ask them that. Like, I think people kind of understand it would be insulting to even do. So we don't even get this thing where people are just kind of rushing to white people, like right after their loved ones died and ask them. So, uh, you know, the person just, has just barely been caught. Do you forgive him? Like, Something was pornographic about it. I, because you see in movies about black suffering and stories about black suffering, where they kind of really valorize um, the suffering under indignity and turning the other cheek and, you know, not quote unquote sinking to the oppressor's level. Something that you really see valorized in any black narrative made for the consumption of white people that you never really see uh, mirrored in white narratives. Like, you don't. Like when white people have movies about their own suffering, you better believe revenge is happening somewhere in it. Like their things are Braveheart. It's never uh, like even if the person ends up dying and it ends up being futile, they uh, it's never uh, that the person's whole fight was just turning the other cheek, you know. So even if they don't win, and the person um, has to die and suffer, they're suffering and dying with dignity is that they did everything they could to fight even if it had to include killing people including women and children uh that's what they're dying with dignity um consists of whereas for a black character it's that they never fought back that's where the dignity comes from that you know they died never sinking to the oppressor's level which again is a value that i don't think low-key white people really subscribe to it, at least for themselves i think they only subscribe to it for black people for various reasons uh, partly because um they are the bad guys a lot of times in these narratives or at least look like the bad guys and also there's a lesser recognition even if it's subliminal even if it's unconscious of the black person's humanity so there's more comfort there's more of a comfort level or acceptance in thinking that they uh, shouldn't have to fight back for themselves. And to give an example, they even see this when it comes to fake white people. What I mean by that is the show Westworld. The show Westworld is not even, I mean, these things in the show Westworld and HBO are literally not human. Like They're robots. They're literally not human. And because they look like white people, when you make a show about these Westworld robots, these robots can't even be seen as being allowed to just accept mistreatment with dignity as a way to um, be heroic. Like, so even robots, because they look white, so the opposite of them, I guess, reminds white people of themselves. Um, maybe not even because they look white. 
maybe just because they don't look black, like maybe even if they were blue, just the fact that they're not black is enough for maybe white people to see the humanity in them. But the first season, which is all I watched, the first season basically ends with um, these robots waging a widespread, violent, murderous uh, rebellion or revolution. And it was just amazing to me. I was like, how often do you, do you even see that with uh, black people? I mean, there was a Nate Turner movie. I mean, the Nat Turner movie by Nate Parker, which basically uh, got hobbled before it even stumbled out the gate. If you ever look at the Denmark VC story, I mean, that's somebody who, an incredible amount of planning, got something like 9,000 slaves across a whole bunch of plantations, um, coordinated what was going to be an incredible uprising, and contacted recently freed revolutionaries in Haiti and was in correspondence with them so that when they had a revolution, they could all sail to Haiti and be given sanctuary there. Like It was amazing the level of planning and coordination and planning for violent retribution that was done there. And we have never seen a Denmark BC uh, movie. I mean, the fact that we've had a Braveheart, he's not even American, but we haven't had a black American uh, Braveheart, somebody who was ready to be violent, you know, or, or Nate Parker, someone who actually, Nat, Nat Turner, somebody who actually was violent uh, and failed, that we don't really glorify um, those stories. And some of the reasons why they kind of sabotage um, the Nat Turner story, I mean, besides the, um, the uh, rape accusation that he was acquitted for, um, people say things like, oh, the nitpicking the historical accuracy of it and everything, as if every single heroic white story of rebellion that gets made into a movie is like documentary level accuracy. Like the level of double standards was crazy. Like if you ever look, for example, at the real story of Braveheart versus what Mel Gibson put up there, it's people get over historical inaccuracy all the time as long as they enjoy the spirit of the historical fiction and it makes them feel good. Like so, um, yeah, a lot of that is suspect, but I thought Westworld was a great example of the disconnect that people have when it comes to accepting black uh, defiance, even so-called, uh, quote-unquote, good white people, uh, the white liberals. Uh, a lot of it is the same thing. A lot of it is the mindset of white supremacy, but one group kind of wants to react against it and and overtly uh, quash it, while the other group tries to... Um, believes in the same tropes and whatever, but tries to um, subvert it and suck the wind out of its sails with, you know, various bribes and paternalistic, um, condescending notions and behaviors that they hope will make black people feel grateful and striving and take away any uh, revolutionary um, spirit that they have, but still be not important or large enough that it actually hurts their own well-beings or their white children's well-beings or their own pockets or their or makes them uncomfortable or give up position in any tangible appreciable way so you know for example like they can check privilege all they want you know they can do their confessionals and check their privilege all the time and talk about how they can catch a cab and you can't and make all these little token gestures they can do, like, you know, use my privilege to help black people. But what does that mean? Like, you know, help a black person with something that is ultimately inconsequential or doesn't really require a real sacrifice from the white person, but 
something like reparations that you know might actually um create make you fall behind as in now there's there's gonna be all these black people who are getting money that you're not you're going to be kind of falling behind relative to them you're going to you might have to break a lot of bread yourself uh, in terms of taxes and money to make these reparations come true like things like that liberals and conservatives you know kind of will then agree on that it shouldn't really happen and i think a lot of times they even act like they're down with something but they're not really and for example with Tanahasi Coates reparations piece it was a great piece in that it really um made reparations into more of a serious topic than it ever was in the past but in the years since it's gone through none of the white people who are praising the piece made any ventures forward making reparations a reality it is just dinner table conversation it's almost become like the checking privilege thing. It's just something that you pay lip service to by vocalizing that you are conscious of it as a concept, as a way to get, you know, woke points or being aware of the issue. But I mean, we've seen how white people act when something comes to their attention that they really care about. The law will be immediately um, passed or show up or show up like, you know, um, they cared about Bill Cosby's. um uh, convicted for rape and lo and behold boom they changed the statute of limitations instantly retroactively catch bill cosby in that net there was there wasn't years of debating and wondering if it should be done or whatever like when white people want to get things done they can get them done like a lot of their so-called helplessness is not really helplessness and a lot of us as black people have to stop just taking that as face value you know it's something that we do all the time we don't pay attention to the things that get put into the national conversation and get laws passed while we're still waiting and watching them wring their hands about our issues, you know? But anyway, when this um, thing happened in Pittsburgh with the um, shooting at the synagogue, it made me really um, pay attention because I wanted to see what was going to happen and how it would um, play out. And yeah, it was pretty it was pretty it was pretty interesting because as predicted, nobody pressured these people to um apologize, but it wasn't even something that really uh came up. The only time it ever really came up was when people wanted to compare this story to Charleston. So then they would bring up that the Charleston people um asked for forg- uh decided to forgive, you know, and it would get contrasted sometimes. And even these articles, you would see some of the same type of backhanded stuff I was telling about where people who were Jewish would say about the Charleston people, oh, I wish I could be that big. And it's like, oh, come on, you have a reporter right in front of you. You can just say it if you really wanted to. Like, it's not like some exceedingly hard thing to do to say the words, I forgive. I mean, it's conceptually hard because you don't want to do it. It goes against your nature and you see nothing wrong with it, with not forgiving. and. Yeah, it popped up over and over again. The uh, the guy's name is Robert Bowers. He's the one who shot the synagogue, and he shot and killed 11 at the synagogue. Now, I'm going to find various versions of the story because I think it's uh, pretty interesting. But there was one article, Family of Synagogue Shooting Victim Declines Meeting with Trump. And... Don't worry about Googling these things or finding the stories yourself because all you have to do is go to the show notes. I plan to put all of these um, in the show notes. 
so just listen and in the show notes you'll be able to to see it later but all right so that's the preview if you enjoyed it you know what to do patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks five dollars a month and you get to hear it all later